My grandfather was a mystery to me. He immigrated to America from Eastern Europe. I remember in my heart when you said we had to part. Now my dreams are fading in the blue, cause I'm still in My mom said that he had a very hard life. His English wasn't very good, and when I was a kid, we didn't have much of a relationship. Unfortunately, he died when I was young. I never really got to know him. Decades later, I was scrolling through my Facebook feed and came upon a post featuring a song that my grandfather had written and performed. I was blown away. My late grandfather was a musician and a songwriter? I had to learn more before it was too late. This podcast is dedicated to discovering my grandfather and the musical side of him that I never knew existed. This is My Grandfather's Secret Life in Music. I'll be loving you till the day I Welcome to my grandfather's secret life in music. My name is Jason Morris. In this episode, I'm going to interview my cousin, Nikki Kerr. Nikki is a talented musician, singer, and songwriter. And as soon as I discovered the song I remember in my heart, a song that our late grandfather apparently recorded back in 1975, I had to share it with her. I had no idea he was a musician and a songwriter. I hoped that Nikki would find the lost recording a way to connect with our grandfather. And because she's a professional musician and a songwriter, I had to hear her thoughts on the song. I also asked Nikki to do something special for this podcast. I asked her to learn how to play and sing Grandpa Tony's song. She not only did that, but she recorded it in a modern studio, and I'll play her version of the song and his in this episode. Next, we talk with Nikki Kerr on my grandfather's secret life in music. Hello, hello. Hi, Nikki. How are you? I'm good, Cousin Jason. It's so nice to hear your voice. It's good to hear you. Oh, thank you again for having me. I'm looking forward to doing this. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? And uh, you just became a mother, right? I did. Yep. I have a nine month old little tiny baby angel who is finally sleeping in her crib right now. Thank goodness. Otherwise, we would have some unexpected um, uh, background vocals during our, our interview tonight. So, yep, I'm a mama. And Nikki, can you tell us about yourself outside of being a mama? Well, I am a singer songwriter um, when I'm not singing Disney songs to and with my my little baby. Um, so for the most part, uh, just been writing a lot. And I graduated from 
Berkeley College of Music in 2013. So ever since then, I lived in Nashville for a little while and I was writing songs down there. And then uh, my husband and I got married and we live in Indiana right now for his job. So uh, I've been really busy with mentoring students um, in songwriting and helping them get their careers going and on the way, which has been very rewarding and very fun. And Nikki, what instruments do you play? You, you told us you sing. I do. I do sing and I play the piano. And when did you start taking piano lessons? Uh, did you take voice lessons? I did voice lessons much later. I started with piano, I think, when I was about five, six years old. Nikki, do you write original songs? I do write original songs, yep. And what's your process? Do you like to write the music first, the lyrics? How does it usually go for you? Uh, it varies. It really varies. There are times where, where there's a, this this killer melody that I just can't get out of my head. Maybe I you know, was dreaming about it the night before. And if, it, if it's really there, if it's really sticking, then I, I might start, you know, putting some words to it. And other times I, I'll just be having coffee with someone and they'll they'll just stun me with this brilliant, heartfelt statement. And then I'll be like, oh, man, I'm so sorry to hear that hold that thought and I'll like jot it down on my phone so I can write about it later, which is so, so shallow, but you know, it's, it's what I do. We creative people, we're always, we're always having our radar on. How many songs do you think you've written? Oh dear, hundreds. <laughs> I haven't really kept track, but I, I will be truthful that there have been a lot of duds in there, a lot of lemons. Um, so it's not like every single one is a hit or anything, but yeah, I've definitely written Quite a lot of songs up to this point. Now, Nikki, let's go back. Do you remember Grandpa Tony? Grandpa Tony passed away on my first birthday. Oh, wow. So I unfortunately never really got the chance to build a relationship with him. I I wish I could have. I wish I did. So basically all, all of my stories are really about him, you know, kind of told from my mom or told from grandma. And I don't, um, that's kind of how he lives on in, in my, in my current memory of him. Your mom, grandpa's oldest daughter, Denise. So she talks about him. Like what kind of things does she say? My mom used to say that he was very, very appreciative of the little things, you know, and I think that the, that really influenced how she looks at the world today as well, how she behaves. I think she told me about some early, early memories of him eating with them and, you know, no food would ever go to waste. You know, he would be almost licking the plates dry at the end of each meal. I don't know if, if your mom, Pam, remembers any of that stuff, but my mom remembers that. And, and to this day, she won't throw away the bones from a Thanksgiving turkey. She'll say, no, 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 we have to make a, a broth out of it. We have to make a beautiful soup, you know, we can't waste it, you know, and I think that that really comes from him and um, which is, which is a good, you know, that's a good lifestyle choice. You know, you should, you should be frugal. You should be appreciative of the little things and find a, a resourceful way to utilize everything you've got. And another really recent memory I have that she shared with me was actually about 10 months ago. It was just before I had my baby Natalie. And at that time, my husband, Sam and his father, Tom were building 
little French doors to go in our nursery for the baby. And so they were assembling everything. And Tom is, is, is a wood, he's a woodworker. And so he's, he's always done that. So they're together in the house, assembling it. My mom was visiting and my mom had this moment where she stopped in the kitchen. She said, Oh, I love that sound. And I was like, what sound? She goes, Oh, just the sound of, of them building that, of, of them building the, the the door together. She's like, I just, I just feel like, I feel like my dad is working again. Wow. Yeah. And that, that kind of was, was a charming little spontaneous moment that I just was like, you know, I'm, I'm going to put that in a little pocket of my memory and, and hold on to that one, you know, but it, it's, isn't that amazing how something like that just sort of transported her back to her childhood, just completely unexpectedly. And it was out of her control, but she was immediately just taken back to that and how something as, as you know, something that I would never even thought of being associated with grandpa was something for her that instantly triggered it. I don't know, maybe it was the smell of the wood or the paint, but that definitely triggered some, some very uh, powerful, powerful memories for her. And that's always a nice moment. Now, Nikki, I was going through my Facebook feed one day, not long ago, when I saw a post featuring a song called I Remember in My Heart. It was posted by a guy who was a friend of our Aunt Renee's, that's how I could see it on Facebook. Guess what? It was written and performed by our late grandfather. Oh. I 
when I heard the recording of Grandpa singing, at first, when you shared it with me, I didn't know for sure that Grandpa was singing. I was hopeful that it was him, but I didn't know. You didn't actually spell that out. And I'm kind of glad you didn't, because when I was listening to it, there was something about it. I don't know. I can't really describe it, but just even just listening to his voice It's like, it's like, I just, I knew, I knew in my heart that that was him. I knew it. So I, I've heard his voice. I haven't heard it in 29 years, but I've heard his voice. And so I think hearing the recording, it triggered a piece of my memory that has been so, so buried for so, so long. But it's, it's there, though. My point is that those early memories you have, they matter. They know they don't, they, they don't just vanish. They don't just not mean anything. I didn't know he wrote original music and lyrics. Did you? No, I, I knew, you know, he would kind of whistle while he worked type deal. But I had no idea that he had written songs and nothing like, like this song specifically. Here's a guy with a really rough accent singing you know english words and mm-hmm. you know it's just pretty amazing and it's like wow maybe there's a way to get to know him you know through his music yeah so nikki what was your first impression of the song when you heard it my first impression was i i, I was a little stunned i mean there was a, a haunting feeling i had and i kind of had to take a minute to fully uh, let it marinate <laughs> with me you know um it, yeah it was it was a bit a bit of a, a sobering experience for me to hear it because <laughs> i just wasn't i wasn't expecting that at all i don't know what i was expecting i don't know what i was expecting to hear i don't know what i was expecting but that was not it and i i mean in, in the best possible way so i was very very impressed and moved by how sentimental the idea was the uh the lyrical idea i was moved by the just the the old school vibe it gave me you know it it just kind of transported me back in time and uh i wanted to go back i wanted to go back to that little cozy place so I, i listened to it a few more times actually um to to just let it let it get me back there and every time it did so that was pretty incredible one of the things you and I had to do was decipher the lyrics, which surprisingly you told me I did a pretty good job with. You did. You did better than you think. But it's tough with this accent, right? Like, Yeah, the accent is part of it, and, and I don't know how it was recorded, but it sounds like that this was recorded completely raw, completely live, him and, and at, sitting at the piano and someone was playing. I don't get the sense that it was done the way that a lot of recordings are done today, as you know, where things are done step by step, where, you know, you lay down your instrumentation and then you lay down vocals uh, later, you know, um, when you overdub. I, mean, I don't get the sense that that's at all how how this was done. This was done real old school. <laughs> and again, that's that's part of its charm. That's part of what makes it so, so magical is that it really is broken down into what it's just the song, you know, and it reminds me of, you know, when I'm, when I'm writing, when I'm co-writing, that's how we do it. We don't, in the beginning, we, we just sit down together and get the idea out, you know? And so we're not really, um, for lack of a better word, we're not really distracted by the production. 
um, we're not, that's not where our head is and uh, where our heads are. We're more focused on just get, get some sort of recording done of, of the idea and then go from there. So it reminds me a little bit of that. And I, I love how organic it comes out. You know, it's one big take from beginning to end. You know, there's no edits. They're not sprinkling any, any sugar on it. You know, if, if it's completely organic and that is really refreshing in, in a world where so much music is, is so processed and edited and touched up and perfected. And it's, it, it, it loses some of that human quality a little bit. And so I, I appreciate that it's so authentic. Do you mind reading some of the, the lyrics out loud? You don't have to read everything, but just to give an idea of, uh, you know, what the song is about. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so here's, here's some some lyrics. So we've got, I remember in my heart when you said we had to part. Now my dreams are fading in the blue because I'm still in love with you. I remember in my heart when we parted, night was new. Stars were shining and the moon was high when you told me that of your last goodbye. And I want to keep going because this next part is my favorite part. <laughs> I remember all your kisses when we kissed and you were mine. For I'll hold you in my mornings because I see you in my dreams. I really, really love that part. I particularly love that, that I'll hold you in my mornings because I see you in my dreams. Because that's so moving to me, right? Don't you think? I mean, I'll hold you in my mornings. I've never heard that phrase before in a song. I've never heard it kind of spelled out like that before. But I think that's exactly how he meant it. I think that's exactly what he was trying to say. I wonder what it would sound like in Russian. <laughs> exactly. It's like one of those things that doesn't sound like it should be something we've never heard, but it is something right. that we've never really heard. And it works. It works beautifully. I think that's one of the strongest moments of the whole song lyrically. And it happens in a really um, turning kind of area, like a turning point of the song musically, too. So it, it works really nicely. It kind of reminds me of like uh, John Lennon, right? He always worked hard to write different lyrics, odd lyrics, like, mm -hmm. you know, sometimes like what, what Paul would present him with lyrics and Paul would be like, oh, I think this is bad. And then John would be like, no, that's the best part of the song. Right, right, right. Exactly. Exactly. You know, because if I was in a write, you know, with grandpa in that moment, it, that's I'm, I wonder how he would approach it. I wonder if it would be one of those lines where he's like, do you think that's OK? I'd be like, oh, my gosh, don't touch it. Just keep it. Don't don't leave it alone. It's perfect. <laughs> do you mind uh, reading the the last part? Yes, that's sure. I can do that. The last part was, um, I remember in my heart all your kisses and your charm. Please come back and say that you'll be mine. I'll be loving you till the day I die. Pretty powerful ending, right? That's some heavy stuff. Yeah, it's pretty heavy. Oof. What do you think this song is about? You know, I've, I've gone back and forth on this uh, like a hundred times, as I'm sure you have too. And here's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking it, it's, it can be easily one of two things. Option one, this is a very personal, autobiographical thing, you know, where maybe grandpa has this 
this the secret love story back in Russia. I don't know. Maybe you know this is this like the writer and he's like, oh, let's, let's let's fictionalize it, you know. And maybe that's that's it. Maybe that's the magic. It's this 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 uh, unfinished love story, or option P. And this can happen with songwriters. So it could be completely fiction. It could be completely just this like really cool idea that he was playing with and that he wanted to just um, invent. You know, I, we as songwriters do that. We don't always write a hundred percent the truth. We don't always write completely, you know, a, a song that is uh, a memory or, or or an experience. Not necessarily. Um, I've got plenty of songs like that. And woof. I, I mean, if if one of those songs was immortalized and people only heard that song from me in fifty years, I mean, yikes. They, 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 I mean, in my case, it's not quite the same. Uh, as powerful as this one so um but yeah i mean that that is a possibility that maybe this isn't a true story i mean maybe as a songwriter he was he had this hook i remember in my heart how can i play with that how can i how can i elevate that idea and rephrase it and recolor it in a bunch of different ways because he does it multiple times he says i remember in my heart when you said we had to part i remember in my heart when we parted night was new i remember in my heart all your kisses and your charm there are a lot of different ways that he sets up that hook and goes in fresh exciting directions with it so i guess we don't know that's part of the mystery right of of the song but um Obviously, I, I think deep down, I, I'm hoping it's option one because that's a little bit more exciting. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And that's one thing with this podcast that, you know, I hope to find through interviews with people uh, that knew him, if the song was about someone or if it, you know, was fiction. That would be cool. Nikki, in one of our emails uh, back and forth with each other, when I first sent you the song, you wrote, I feel like it belongs in an old classic movie. Can you explain what you meant by that? Yeah, um, I, I think it has to do with the sentimental vibe that, that the whole song gives, um, lyrically and musically. I think that the marriage of the two together just instantly puts you in, in this place where it, it doesn't feel like it's written or uh, designed to be, I think, current with what's going on right now. It feels like like a love story that never got to be uh, resolved, you know, in, in in a different time. And you know, I when I was lo- really studying it, I was I was actually thinking of a scene in the Notebook. Believe it or not, <laughs> <laughs> really, I know, I know, that's a little embarrassing, but that's the truth. I was thinking of the song "I'll Be Seeing You" performed by Billie Holiday, and they used that song. It was a 1944 recording. They used that song in the movie to kind of, I think, kind of take you into that early 1940s feel, that little, that, that world. And that's kind of where what it did for me, too. I also think that it reminded me a lot of My Funny Valentine. Yeah. If you're familiar with that, that's a Rod- Rogers and Hart tune. It was composed in the late 30s. Both of these two completely different, different songs, right? Completely different songwriters, they were both published in the same year of 1938, and they both were made popular in the mid-40s by different artists. Bing Crosby really immortalized the song. And of course, you know, dozens of songwriters and singers have, have covered these songs. And this song in particular, I think, 
feels like it, it belongs at that table at the party. It, it belongs at, at the table with my funny Valentine and I'll be seeing you. It just, it just has that old school sentimental love story feel. And a lot of the times that's how the movies were being told. That's how the movies were being filmed and that's how the stories were going. So it, it would make sense that it would fit into that category. Now, Grandpa's recording was obviously done with old equipment. Still the quality of it, all the noise, the imperfections, it kind of has a haunting feel. Do you agree? Yes, absolutely. Very haunting feel. What did you think about his performance? I think that the emotion behind his vocal performance uh, is is pretty strong, which is really interesting to me, too, because, I mean, English wasn't his native language. So to okay. be able to to not only sing so beautifully in English, but to actually write in it this beautifully in, in English is, is definitely uh, impressive. Nikki, what did you think uh, when I asked you to re-record the song? Oh, I was a little intimidated at first. I was like, oh, how am I going to do this? <laughs> I felt like you were inviting me to go climb Everest real quick, even though <laughs> I haven't like ever climbed a mountain. So, you know, I'm like, all right, I guess I got to go train real quick. So that's kind of how I felt, to be honest. I was I was a little a little uh, a little bit scared to do it um, just because it, it just felt so beautiful and perfect as it was and you know you wonder okay so how am i gonna how am i gonna do this how am i gonna do this and bring back the sentimental quality the, the qualities of grandpa you know because you don't want to lose those you don't want to sacrifice those you don't want to compromise those you want to you want to bring those but you also want to put your own artistic spin on it too and and so that's that was sort of the tightrope I felt like I was I was walking. I, I just wanted to make sure that I was really capturing and honoring his original vision and not straying too far from that. But I did want to put a little bit of Nikki on it. How tough was it to play? Um, it, I wouldn't say it was too difficult to play. I think that it was definitely not not in my usual wheelhouse. You know, I don't I don't really play a lot of jazz or write a lot of jazz. I used to coach the jazz vocalist at Purdue University for a little while. So I think that's where part of this this came for me, where I was able to kind of figure out what was going on harmonically. And but but here's the thing. I mean, when you have a strong melody, when you have a really good melody that's that's predictable in a good way, where it's it's going where your ear wants it to go, and the melody is soaring and stretching and in 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 opposite directions, and it's not just staying in one spot. I I personally gravitate towards those as a vocalist. And so I think that it was fun and easy to pick up on. And so I just was having fun learning it. If anything, I wanted to make sure I got the the lyrics really right and the phrasing right. Make sure that the each each line felt real and and authentic. So uh, that that was maybe in a way a, the challenge. I wanted the the chords to to be as close to what the original version was as possible, but I wanted to contemporize it just a little bit. So I, by doing so, I actually simplified some of the, the chords. Um, and I also changed the key. That's something else I wanted to do to, to make it a little bit more suitable for my voice. And the biggest change maybe uh, was was the ending. I just wanted to go somewhere new. I wanted to go somewhere totally, totally out there where you really didn't see it coming. 
And that's kind of where it ended up going, you know, with that high note at the very end. And even though grandpa didn't do that, it felt right. It felt right to go there. So, you know, hopefully it did the song justice. That, that That's always the goal. You always want to make sure you're doing the song, doing, doing right by the song and by the songwriters. So let's uh, play the song for our audience.
you absolutely achieve the balance of honoring the original song, but also bringing some freshness to it. Did recording the song make you feel closer to Grandpa? Oh, yeah, definitely. I felt like this this connection that was strengthening because I, I didn't really get to have those experiences growing up where Grandpa and I got to, you know, go fishing and, you know, go to all my piano recitals or, uh, you know, that, that kind of thing. We just didn't get a relationship like that, unfortunately. So I do feel like the song brought back, I guess, a reminder to me that he was a part of my life and part of the, our family legacy. And I, I felt sort of a, a calling, I guess, to, uh, to do the song and help keep his memory alive and help contribute to having his story passed on in our family. So that felt pretty cool. What were you thinking about when you sang Grandpa's song? You sounded very emotional to me. I tried to put myself in a, in a place, I think, where the story would be real for me. Because um, at, at this point, I don't personally have this personal love story that's incomplete you know I don't have that really I'm I'm, I'm happily married <laughs> things are pretty good I'm a, I'm a happy wife <laughs> so no secrets there um, but I, I had to tap in you know and find a place where this would feel um, believable and real to me so I think even though it's originally written as a love song, maybe in a romantic setting, I tried to maybe transfer some of my feelings towards grandpa, if that makes sense. You know, I remember in my heart and when we parted night was new and you told me that of your last goodbye. I mean, who knows? But maybe it's maybe when he said goodbye, he didn't know that it would be his last time seeing me, you know, or maybe I mean, because he died on my birthday. Um, another weird kind of in sync sort of thing I, you know i don't i don't know so i tried to maybe channel some of those things and maybe for me it wasn't a romantic song but it maybe it's a love story between me and my grandpa and how i remember in my heart you know all your kisses and your charm maybe that's what that is for me so that's i guess where i went with it i tried to make it a conversation you know with with him as best as i could Wow, that's amazing. That's really smart. That makes a lot of sense. Thanks. Was your version of the song inspired by any other famous artists? Yeah, oh, absolutely. I was definitely very influenced by Ella Fitzgerald and Sarah Vaughn and little Bing Crosby. So I, I wanted to do that with it because what I really admire about those singers is that they would be given a jazz standard they'd be given a great song and they would pretty much camp on the melody they really weren't um strength and melody too much the real magic and what they were doing was in in the being innovative with the phrasing that was really interesting to me at least at least in how i've studied their work so i wanted to do something like that where the melody would still be very constant but maybe just the please come back, please come back, say you'll be mine. Just slight little variations to just sort of decorate an already strong, good melody. Now, Grandpa, he was an immigrant from Eastern Europe. When I was young, I remember him pacing around our grandparents' house with his hands behind his back. 
And he, he seemed kind of sad to me, you know. He obviously created a really good song, but he was a carpenter by trade. One of the things I plan on finding out in this podcast, if he was disappointed that he didn't have a music career, can you relate to that struggle? It's always been hard for artists. Artists have never, ever had it easy. But I mean, really, Grandpa had it pretty hard. I mean, historically speaking, he he was possibly trying to break in as an artist during one of the hardest times in history, uh, especially as an artist. I mean, in any field, right? And in, in any profession. And I wonder if being a carpenter was something he he learned to do because it was practical and it was, it was safe and it was extremely resourceful and useful and probably really useful in the States. You know, that, that's a, that's a big skill, you know, if you can build and you, you're good with your hands, you know? Um, so I, I bet that's a, a probably a big part of it, but sure. I'm, I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if he was feeling a sense of uh, longing and loss for the dreams that he had to had to put aside. I, I wouldn't be surprised. Because of you, you know, his song has a second life now. Mm. It will not disappear from existence. And I can't thank you enough for being part of this podcast. Oh, it's been my pleasure. I'm very, very honored to have been asked and to have been included. I hope I hope I did it right. I hope I did did him proud. Um it, it's been it's been a really fun journey. If people out there want to hear more of your music, how do they do that? If people are interested in hearing more of what I do, um, I've got some music on iTunes and Amazon. I released an album in 2017 called Paper Towns. That album is for sale there, pretty much on all streaming platforms as well. So that's probably the best way to, to find my stuff. Awesome. Well, I highly recommend that people check that out. You're you're so talented. Oh, thank you. In future episodes of My Grandfather's Secret Life in Music, I interview Steve Van Kirk, the guy who actually recorded Grandpa Tony singing his song back in 1975. The word had gotten out that I had a reel-to-reel recorder, and he very much wanted to record the song. It's a fascinating interview that sheds a lot of light on my grandfather, his song, and his American dream that didn't quite come true. I think that there's some level of regret that goes along with that. When you uh, arrive at a certain point in your lifetime, you realize, oh, you know, this is it. I missed my shot. I also interviewed my mother, who actually used to help Grandpa write his songs when she was a young girl. She reveals the many sides of her complex father. I was sitting with him and he was laying down and I said, I love you, Daddy. And he said, I love you too. And that was probably the first time he told me he loved me. I will also interview my grandmother about my grandfather's extraordinary life as a child in Eastern Europe. They had a farm and it was a lot of work in the fields and dead. Didn't want to do that. He had to play the violin. And Grandpa found him and took the violin and hit him over the head with it. She even reveals a secret from his past that she didn't even know about until after they were married. When I met him, he never told me anything of his past life. All this and more on my grandfather's secret life in music.
My Grandfather's Secret Life in Music is written and produced by Jason Morris. All rights reserved. Music by Nikki Kerr and My Grandfather Tony. Please visit our website to hear all of our episodes and bonus material, including photos and documents that help bring his story to life. www.mygrandfathersecretlifeinmusic.com